Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's up? My name is Cody King. I am here live in studio today on uh, February 14th. It's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to you. Uh, I pray that the love of Jesus impacts you tremendously. Uh, I'm here taking your uh, questions, your prayer requests, your calls. Give me a call here at 303-690-3000. You can also text in your uh, prayer requests or your questions to 720-336-0897. My name is Cody King. I'm the uh, founding and lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, you might listen to our radio program right here on Grace FM uh, during the weeknights at 8 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. It's called Redemption Radio, uh, and currently we're going going through the Gospel of John uh, through, that, through that series on the radio. Uh, we are, Redemption Calvary is located in Commerce City. So we're right off of 104th Avenue, about a mile east of Highway 2. And we've got two Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. I would love to have you join us. Uh, we got a, an amazing church of people who would just love to uh, be able to welcome you, warm you warmly uh, embrace you in the Lord, and uh, be able to uh, worship together with you. If you want directions, you want to listen to messages, you want to get some more information about the church, you can always check out our website. It is redemptioncalvary.org. Hey, I also want to welcome in our listeners on the East Coast. We've got Hope FM with uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, and also Truth FM uh, is listening in. And if you are listening to this broadcast, you are on a one-week delay, but uh, please still call in. We're, we're still here to take your calls. We would love to talk to you and pray with you. And hey, you get a cool uh, thing where you get to actually listen to yourself uh, on that week delay. So then you can re-listen to the broadcast and, and uh, check that out. So hey, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, 303-690-3000. And also the text line is 720-336-0897. I was thinking about uh, some j different things uh, and just kind of processing uh, some different stuff as, as far as, um, you know, Jesus and some of the things that he says. And, and, and I was thinking through John chapter 17. And John 17 is this place where Jesus is uh, describing or he's praying. And in his prayer, he's praying for a lot of different kinds of things. But one of the things he says in verses 15 and 16 of John 17, he, he says this, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And it's just this really impactful concept that Jesus lays out for us. He, sh he says here that we should be in the world, excuse me, but not of the world. And, and, and I think that that's one of the things culturally that we deal with and we struggle with a lot in terms of how does our faith work and what happens with our faith as we uh, engage with culture and, and as we try to do different things how do we how do we live lives obedient to Jesus that I'm I'm here I'm in the world but I'm not of the world and many times what we end up doing as we try to kind of walk this tightrope is fall off on one extreme 
or the other, that, that people become so disconnected from the world that they're kind of like the, the monks used to be, where they would live in a monastery and separate themselves from the world and not really engage with anything. Uh, and, and yet uh, they, they would become so disconnected that, you know, they, they didn't really make sense to the world at all, you know. And, and for us in our day, in our current context, a lot of times that what that looks like is, Christians who have uh, so disconnected from the world and the culture that their even their language becomes really overly Christianized to the point to become to where we become irrelevant. That that I say words and I say phrases and I say things that maybe somebody at church would understand, but people uh, just in the world they don't they don't even get that word. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so, uh, just, you know, just one of those ideas. And so even for me, I don't understand, you know, what some Christians are talking about because one of the, one of the things that they do is they'll say Christian phrases followed by another platitude and then another big theological word. And it can sort of sound spiritual and sound good, but it really has no substance or meaning. That, that's one side we have, we tend to fall off on. And then on the other hand, people end up trying to become relevant in the, uh, to, so relevant to the world that they spend all of their time trying to prove that Christians really aren't that different and end up undermining the entirety of what we're looking at with Christianity. And the truth is, Christianity is so different. And one of the, one of the most appealing and credible things about Jesus is that he is unlike anything and everything else in the entire world. You see, the truth is, a gospel that hasn't changed you hasn't saved you. And that's what Jesus is getting at here in John 17. He's really pointing out the idea that if you have not received the gospel in such a way that it causes life transformation, then you haven't really grasped it at all. The truth is Jesus loves you enough to accept you the way you are. And yet, and yet, he loves you so much, he will never leave you that way. He's going to change you. His grace is going to affect you and it's going to change you and it's going to cause transformation. One of the craziest things that'll happen as you follow Jesus is that he will actually take things that you used to love and he will turn them into things that you now hate. And he'll take things that you used to loathe and despise and he'll turn them into things that you love. It's it's the craziest thing that Jesus can do uh, in your life. And in and, and figuring out this right balance of being accessible to the world and yet not overreaching and being no different, it can be challenging. And I think the, that uh, an analogy that I think through is sort of like this, that um, a Navy destroyer is an, an amazingly powerful ship and it can do a lot of damage to the enemy when it's strategically positioned and, and it's got, uh, you know, it's in the water and it's just going, uh, going after the enemy. It is so strong and it's so influential that its mere presence can actually dissuade the enemy from mounting an attack. But that same Navy destroyer is only powerful when it's in the water. When the water is in it, it becomes completely useless and that ship is sunk. In Christianity, it's the same thing. That's what Jesus is getting at. That he wants you to be powerful and to be used to mount a spiritual attack against the enemy to rescue souls from eternity apart from the Lord. But if you got a bunch of the world in you, then you're not really useful to the Lord and you're just sunk. So, hey, give me a call here in studio. Uh, the number is 303-690-3000. Uh, you can also text in your prayer requests uh, and 
questions to 720-336-0897. We currently have open lines, so please feel free to give me a call. I'd love to be able to talk to you and to be able to share thoughts uh, with you. We were talking just before uh, the radio show just about how important the church is. Uh, and just the, the idea and the reality that what, when we talk about the church, we're not necessarily talking about the institution or the organization, even though there is something to that. One of the, what we're really talking about, what we're really going for, what we're really aiming at is the people. That, that God, when he thinks of the church, when he's aiming at the church, when he's describing the church, it's, it's not so much the organization, it's not the building, it's the people. And, and the truth is that you and I, are in desperate need of community. But that's part of how God's created us. And so a lot of times when we're going through things in life and we're struggling through things and we're having issues and we're feeling disconnected, uh, it's because we're disconnected from one of the major things that God has called us to, to do, uh, which is to connect with the idea of other people especially in the church. And so I want to encourage you to make time in your life, to make effort in your life, to purposefully be given over to the ministry of the church and being a part of it. Uh, And so make plans this weekend to join a church, to be a part of a Bible-believing church, uh, and, and jump in. Hey, I got a uh, text message that came in here. Uh, it's asking if I can pray for our marriages. Uh, this person's been married for over 30 years, and uh, my spouse is struggling with being married. I'm just uh, tired and ready to give in to the request. Yeah, I can really, uh, you know, my heart goes out to you as you're as you're considering this, as you're thinking about it, as you're um, really just uh, wrestling over this this stress of. Uh, trying to figure out what do I do? You know, I've been in this marriage for a long time. My spouse just, you know, wants to get get out and give in. Um, and uh, that can be weary and, and wearisome and weigh, weigh, uh, excuse me, weigh upon your heart. And so I, I just want to encourage you uh, to keep going, to keep fighting the good fight of the faith, to keep moving forward in, in that relationship. I, I know that for me personally, one of the topics that I really love and enjoy spending time talking about is marriage. And I love talking about uh, parenting as well. Those are two of the, the big topics that I love uh, talking about and, and encouraging people in. Because I think for the most part, we have a, a lot of misinterpreted ideas that have infiltrated our hearts and lives from the culture. And, and that those ideas, uh, they, they end up causing our minds to think a certain way. And then that causes our hearts to believe a certain way, which then produces action that leads us in a, in a certain way. And so I just, you know, as, as I read your question with this idea of struggling about being married, that, that speaks to a heart condition, that there's this issue within the heart of your spouse and, and I don't know if you're a man or if you're a woman, so I don't really know how to address you uh, specifically because what, what the scriptures say about marriage is, is specific and a little bit different uh, to what, uh, uh, you know, to the, the gender roles in terms of man and woman uh, for this marriage relationship. Um, but what I would say is that belief that is causing your spouse to struggle with being married is being fed by a lie. And, and so I would encourage you to target your prayers uh, and the information you bring into the relationship and into the home toward addressing that lie, 
that that somehow, some way, there's a there needs to be an opportunity to be able to insert the truth to combat the lies. Because Jesus said in John 8, I believe it's 32, that you would know the truth and then that the truth would set you free. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for just marriages in general as well uh, and just ask for God's grace and his ability to, uh, to do this marriage thing well. So let's pray. Father, I want to lift up this uh, text message to you and, and the person on the other end of the line. And I pray that you would encourage them today. I pray that you would give them just like that, what that word encouragement means, that you would put courage into them, that they would be uh, just drawn into relationship with you, uh, that they would find their sufficiency in you, that they would be completely satisfied in who you are, and that your grace would overshadow all of the doubts and the fears and the worries and the the problems that are within the marriage relationship. And I know that this marriage relationship has problems because I know every marriage relationship has problems. And so, Lord, would you speak your grace into the situation? Would you give this couple the ability to love and to prefer one another? Like your word tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, that uh, the, the husband is to love his wife and the wife is to respect her husband. I pray that you would put those ideas into these people so that they might show show you and your greatness and your glory uh, to this world. Your, your word also tells us in Ephesians 5 that uh, the marriage relationship, it's a picture of Christ and the church. And so I pray that you would cause this marriage to not fall apart, but to be uh, saved, to be restored, to be established on you, and that you would use it as a mighty tool to preach your gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I, uh, uh, my name is Cody King. I'm here in studio with you. Um, I am the lead and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, that's a church in Commerce City, Colorado. We are a, uh, a church plant. I, I'm a church planter. Uh, this is the second church that I've planted. Uh, just I have a heart for uh, church planting and love church planters. And so if you're a pastor, I know that there are pastors who are listening to the radio show. Uh, for me personally, I worked for four and a half years uh, of this church plant um, and have just recently been able to go uh, full-time at the church, uh, which is a, a blessing to be able to give my attention there. But I know what it's like to be bivocational, to be church planting. I know that uh, for me personally, I would listen to Grace FM as much as I could as I was working. And so maybe you're a pastor and, and you're just uh, you know weary in the work. And I just want to encourage you that Galatians chapter uh, 6 tells us that we should, in verse 9, uh, don't grow weary while doing good, because in due season, you're going to reap a harvest if you do not lose heart. And so I just want to encourage you with that idea, that the, the, the times of sowing are not the times of reaping, that you have a different season for those times, and that that there's a time to reap, and right now is the time to sow. Uh, you're, you're not going to reap the things tomorrow that you sow today. It's going to take some time. So, so think about it like this. With a farmer, they sow a seed, they go out in their field, they plow the field, they sow the seed. Uh, and as they sow that seed, they end up in a position where um, you know they, they cover it all back up and they go home for the night, right? Well, the next day when the farmer comes out and looks out at the field, you know what he sees? He sees a dirt field. That's what he sees. He doesn't see any crops. He doesn't see any uh, any plants. There's. It looks dead. It looks like nothing 
is there. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes when you're being faithful to the work of the Lord and you're being faithful to what God's called you to, sometimes it looks like nothing's happening, even though under the surface, there's a whole lot happening. So just be faithful to what God has given you to do. Continue to move forward. Continue to just serve as the Lord gives you opportunity and let him worry about the times of reaping. You just worry about what's in your control, which is the times of sowing. Uh, we, we planted Redemption Calvary uh, back in uh, 2014. Uh, my, my family and I moved here from Southern California, and um, we miss in and out very much, but uh, rumor has it that uh, there's going to be one coming up. So praise the Lord. I'm excited uh, to be able to see how the Lord uh, brings in and out so that I can uh, partake of that even more so. But we moved out from Southern California, and in in doing that, we opened our home and started a home Bible study. And you know, it's kind of one of those crazy things when you move a thousand miles and uh, you go into a neighborhood. And you, I, I remember sitting in my living room thinking, "Who in their right mind is going to come to this? Why in the world would anybody show up? I, I don't know any of anybody here. I I don't have any sort of uh, connections or ability to." to you know get people to show up or whatever but you know what miraculously little by little God started adding to the church and what a crazy thing that, that the Lord would do such a thing and add to the church so that we could uh, we could see people come to salvation in the Lord see relationships and marriages restored see people growing in their faith and little by little we we went for a full year in, in our home as a home Bible study and then after that full year we rented a little a little suite uh, um, in a, a marketplace and uh, just started doing Sunday services so it's been almost four years since we've officially launched as a church and uh, God's been so faithful to us to take care of us and to provide for all of our needs and to give us opportunity to minister the gospel of Jesus in our city. And it's been such an honor and such a privilege. One of the things that God's given me a passion for is obviously Bible teaching, right? I mean, that's got to be on the top of the list as a pastor is to teach the Bible. Uh, and so that's why uh, I want to be here in studio is because I love the opportunity to talk to people about the things that they're dealing with, the, the things that they're struggling with, the questions they have, uh, to be able to pray for people, to be able to maybe answer questions uh, about different things that are taking place in their lives. And so you can give me a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, we have open lines, uh, so go ahead and give me a call today. You can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. One of the things that God has given me opportunity to do recently um, in terms of Bible teaching is to get to be a part of something called the Expositors Collective. Uh, the Expositors Collective is is something that I, I'm really passionate about, that I feel really strongly about. Um, it started last year um, as uh, this intensive 24-hour um, seminar geared at young Bible preachers and teachers. And so that's anybody from ages 18 to 35. Uh, there is a podcast that you can look up. If you just look up Expositors Collective uh, for, uh, on any device that you uh, get podcasts for, you can kind of listen in on some of this stuff, um, especially if you find yourself maybe in, in one of those older brackets and, and you you know feel frustrated that uh, it's not for you or whatever, uh, then you can all you can listen into all of these things. But uh, uh, the, the, the Expositors Collective is designed to be able to um, help leaders, grow in their Bible teaching, to, to do it well. And I think that knowing how to teach the Bible and being confident that you're doing it 
uh, with precision and with clarity is really vital to our culture because our culture is dealing with a massive issue of biblical illiteracy and biblical disobedience. It's If I was to point at anything that's the biggest problem, the biggest issue in our culture today, it would be that. That, that we, are, we are living in a culture where people just don't want anything to do with what the Bible actually says. In fact, one of the most uh, commonly known verses in the Bible is, God helps those who help themselves. Did you know that's not in the Bible? Now, a lot of people quote that as if it's in the Bible, and it's not there. It's not actually scripture, but that's what people think about the Bible. And so we have a culture that's dealing with complete biblical illiteracy in a lot of ways. And because of that illiteracy, we're being, obe- we're being disobedient to the Lord. And so the, the passion that I have is to help uh, not only teach and preach the Bible myself well, but also help others who want to learn how to do that. And that's exactly what the Expositors Collective is all about. It's about training up and equipping, equipping uh, young preachers and teachers, men and women alike, because spiritual gifts, they have no gender distinction. Uh, there's you know the role within the church, uh, as far as pastor is concerned, is uh, reserved very clearly by Scripture for men. Uh, but preaching, teaching, all of that is not gender specific. Uh, and so we, we uh, train young men and women, 18 to 34 years old, uh, in preaching and teaching the scriptures with clarity and with power. There's, a new, there's another Expositors collect, Collective taking place in San Diego on April 5th through 6th. So uh, if you are interested in being invested in uh, to be able to ha- be equipped in uh, the preaching and teaching of God's Word, then I would encourage you to register for this and make the trip to San Diego, or maybe you're you're in the San Diego area um, and you want to join us there. Uh, you can go to expositorscollective.com, expositorscollective.com, and check that out, um, and you'll be able to uh, be able to experience this this collective. Here, here's just an outline or a brief schedule rundown of what you'll experience there. You'll experience uh, uh, the the value of expository preaching, uh, a teaching on inductive Bible study, Christ-centered preaching, sermon prep essentials, outlining your message, homiletics, character, preaching mentorships, and finding your own voice. And so in terms of everything that you would need to know, this is really intensely geared toward being able to, to assist you in the scriptures that way. And so uh, I'd encourage you to check it out, expositorscollective.com, April 5th through 6th, uh, here coming up in a couple of months. I'd love to see you there. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome time together. All right, so let's go to the phones. We have Joey calling from Aurora on line one. Joey, you're on Calvary Live. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hey, absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess I just have a question about uh, small churches versus quote unquote mega churches. Okay. Um, I personally don't see a problem, um, but I know a, a young Christian who sees a problem with the big um, church interface, and I didn't quite know how to answer her questions about how she sees it being um, quote unquote wrong. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good question. Um, it's something to, to think about, especially culturally as we look at the church in general and we see um, that there are all sorts of different kinds of churches. Um, really, you know, when I consider this, the idea of the size of a church 
um, is one of those things that is uh, uh, something that people kind of get stuck on, and, and I'm not really quite sure why. I know that when we were planting our church here in uh, in Commerce City, uh, as we were doing that, um, there were some people who didn't want to validly see it as a church until it reached a certain number of people. Um, and I guess there's some pragmatic reason why to say that that's, uh, you know, that's maybe necessary. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's just discouraging to say, well, you're not cer- a certain number, you're not a real church. Um, and so really, you know, I think that that is, is one side to fall off on. And then the other side is, well, a big church, and just like you said, there's sort of this vague uh, understanding in terms of what, well, what is a big church? Um, and, uh, and, and at what point does that church no longer become valid because it's too big? And so I usually try to ask those kinds of questions because those kinds of questions usually reveal something else that's happening within their train of thought, that, that it really has nothing to do with the size of the church. That there's something else going on. Have you, have you been able to have any of those kinds of conversations or have, have those things come up in the conversation? Yeah, definitely. And I brought up the fact that Jesus had disciples and had crowds following him and listening to him. Then she kind of went back onto the fact that money corrupts, quote unquote. Okay. So, yeah, the idea that money corrupts, and then big churches have more money. Is that is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, that that's a a misquoting of of scripture because the Bible doesn't say that money corrupts. Um, what what she's misquoting there is in First Timothy chapter six. Uh, where it said, let me turn to my Bible there real quick, and I can so I can talk through this a little bit more clearly. But First Timothy chapter six um, actually talks directly to this, and it says in verse ten, "For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil." And most people, just like we said before, uh, that you know one of the most quoted verses in the Bible isn't even a Bible verse. Well, so too one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is this one, where people say. Money is the root of evil, or money corrupts, you know? And uh, so they think that somehow money is this thing that's, that is evil. It's, it's not. It, it's, it's completely uh, neutral. It can be used for good, and it can be used for evil, and it really has more to do with the character of the man uh, or the woman than it has to do with the, the actual physical, tangible thing. Um, because, you know, it, the issue is the love of money. And just a, a, a little side note on that, most people miss this. You don't have to have money to have the love of money. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's where people get mixed up. They think because people have money, that somehow means that they love it. And, and just because a church is large doesn't mean they necessarily have money. Perhaps there is more. Maybe there's not. Uh, it's a complete assumption to say somehow that's bad because there's more money. Here's just another thought right now. I'm sitting in a studio in a large church on a radio broadcast that is serving our entire city that's run by and needs money to function. So I, I just think that that entire argument is is made from a place where it's kind of like pointing at something that's a straw man saying it's bad, then here's why, but there's not really any substance to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I know you have to go to break here soon, but in a follow-up question, I guess I would say, what would be your advice to say on Christian merchandise or, um, you know, merchandising Christ as um, a possible bad thing? Yeah, 
And I think that's that's a good question as well because um, there there's that uh, you know the idea of how Jesus is trying to or he goes into the temple and he and he flips over the tables and he, you know he says you guys have turned this into a den of thieves. Essentially, that's not necessarily the issue. It's not selling things. It's that there is uh, they were taking a place that was designed as a place of worship. And they were making it impossible for people to get God without buying their stuff. That was the idea. So it's not so much like Christian CDs or Christian T-shirts or Christian hats or going on, you know, uh, a vacation to a Christian area or with some Christians on a retreat or something like that. Uh, it's mo- it's that you had to buy your way to God. That was the issue. Um, so I hope that answers your question for you. Definitely. All right. You. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. Uh, We're going to go to break, but I will be back in just a couple of minutes to take your calls and your questions. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, what's up? My name is Cody King. I'm here in studio taking your calls and your text messages. I'd love to be able to talk to you or uh, be able to maybe read uh, your text message and be able to connect with you. I'm the founding and lead pastor of Redemption Calvary. Uh, here in uh, the Denver area in Commerce City. Uh, we are off of 104th Avenue, about a mile east of Highway 2. And we've got two Sunday morning services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. I'd love to have you join us. You are uh, more than welcome to just show up at either, either one of those services. Right now, we are actually going through a series in First Timothy, and it has been so good to go through this series in First Timothy. We've really slowed down in chapter 3. We're in, in a series in chapter 3 where we're taking a really hard look at the calling and qualification of the pastor. And it's been just a, a really amazing time together as we're establishing and, and resetting that bar to the place that God has placed it really high, that, that that's where it belongs in this place where we get to uh, uh, put ourselves really, you know, in the in the place of submitting to what God has established. And so First uh, Timothy chapter three is where we find ourselves today, or excuse me, in uh, uh, on Sundays. And uh, I'd love to have you join us at Redemption Calvary. You can check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org, in order to get uh, directions, find messages, get some information about the church, all that kind of stuff. Also, we have a radio program that airs here on Grace FM uh, weeknights at 8 p.m. It's called Redemption Radio. So you can listen to us Monday, Tuesday, not Wednesdays, because on Wednesday there's a live uh, broadcast from uh, from Calvary Church. Uh, but uh, you can listen to us Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday uh, on uh, on Grace FM uh, with our radio program Redemption Redemption Radio, as well as Sunday mornings at nine thirty a.m. Uh, and you can check that out. Also, uh, just wanted to welcome our listeners from Hope FM and from Truth FM. Uh, if you can hear me, please give us a call. I know that uh, you are listening to this radio broadcast on a one-week delay, but don't let that stop you from calling in. We are still here. We'd still love to hear from you. We'd still love to be able to talk to you. So uh, please make sure you give us a call. Give us a text uh, at 303 303- 
690-3000. That's the call line, 303-690-3000. And you can also text in your uh, questions and prayer requests to 720-336-0897. I got a text message that came in uh, from uh, Bobby. And uh, Bobby, uh, based on the spelling, I'm going to say this is uh, maybe a, a woman. So if, if you're not, I apologize. Uh, but a prayer request, there was a time in, in, in your life when you uh, denied the Lord and the, the Holy Spirit's voice, but you came back uh, after a series of bit, pretty, some pretty, pretty big attention getters uh, from the Lord. And you're asking for prayer uh, that your ability to hear the Holy Spirit would be restored and that that voice would become louder and more clear than it's ever been. And uh, saying that you, you listen every day and you love it and uh, you're very welcome uh, for, for Grace FM and the, and the ministry of Grace FM. Hey, you know, as, you're, as I read your text message, there's something that comes through that I'm, I'm really thankful that you took the opportunity to send this text message in and just the way you articulate it in that you, you had this time when you strayed away from the Lord and yet he brought you back. And I think that that's a really important thing because I, I know that one of the questions that I get pretty often from people is they wonder about the idea of, well, what if my friend falls away from the Lord? Or what if one day I walk away from the Lord? Or what about my, uh, you know, this, this acquaintance I had and, and they used to follow God and they fall away from the Lord, then what? And, and there's a lot of stress and pressure and consternation of soul surrounding this idea of, of uh, of that, and I think that your text message, even though it's so brief, right, in a text message, it, it really captures one of the major issues of the truth behind being the child of God, and and that truth is that God always brings His kids back. Now, one of the major culture things that that has happened in our culture is that uh, there's the there's this message that has gone out where people have been told that everyone's the child of God, that we're all the child of God. But the Bible does not declare that reality. The Bible actually says that only those kids who have been adopted into God's family are His. That that we are not His children. And then through the blood of Christ, through the blood of Jesus, we become adopted into the family by receiving the salvation that Jesus supplies. And once you're in the family, you're in the family, right? That, that's, just the, that's just the way that it goes. It's like when I talk to my kids, if they have a bad day or if they sin or if they fail at something, then uh, I, you know, one of the things I'll say to them jokingly is, all right, that's it. You're out of the family, you know, and it sort of lightens the mood because they look at me with, you know, this really ridiculous look in their eyes, like, okay, dad, yeah, right. You, you're not kicking me out of the family, which is of course true. I'm, I'm never going to kick my kids out of my family. There's nothing they can do to ever put themselves in a position where they're no longer my children because they're my kids and my love for them. It's not based on them. It's based on me as their dad, right? And so too it is with the Lord, that his love for us isn't based on us and what we do or don't do. It's based on him and his character and his integrity and his honor. And that, that, uh, you know, that whole thought provoked within me the idea of Hebrews chapter 12, where it says this in verse 5. It says, and you have not, uh, and, excuse me, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? 
But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have, we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, speaking of God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so, you know, when I'm thinking about what you're talking through in, in, in your text message here, um, it, it really provokes within me this, this attitude and, and heart to say, you've experienced exactly what Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11 is talking about, that you've experienced this discipline of God, that, that you know, if you belong to the Lord— and you fall away into sin or you chase after sin thinking that it's somehow going to satisfy you, then you end up in a place where God now brings discipline into your life in order to bring you back. And that's what those painful situations in our life a lot of times are. It's these painful situations that are, sometimes it's just the consequences, the natural consequences of, uh, of the actions and the decisions that we've made. And God uses those, and sometimes it's other things where God is directly intervening to say, I'm going to bring some painful situation into your life in order to get you to wake up and realize, I need to stop going this way. It reminds me of the, the prodigal son uh, in, in uh, Luke's gospel. Um, you know, that, that's what it's commonly referred to. And, and in that, it says there that the, the son, he came to his senses when he was in the pigsty looking at the pig's food saying, that looks like a good meal. That painful situation, he had to get so low to where uh, he had to look at this food of these, these filthy animals and say, that looks like a good meal to me. He had to get to that point before he came to himself. And then he came to himself and he went back to his dad. And you know what his dad did? His dad received him as a son. The, the son was expecting to go back and say, well, you know, at least I could be a servant in my father's house. Um, and, and, you know, it's better than this. And he goes back thinking, I'll just be a slave. But he wasn't received as a slave. He was received as a son because he never lost his sonship. It was always his, even though he had sinned against his dad. And so too it is with, with, uh, with you and, and your testimony. And, and as you're trying to uh, seek the Lord, just encouraged by your desire to do so and, and to realize that, uh, that you are this. Now, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, it tells us there that uh, if you are truly a son, then God's going to chasten you. That can be hard for us sometimes with those of us who are looking from the outside in and just, uh, you know, looking at someone's life and, and you see how they've they once professed faith and maybe even God used them for his glory and they, they lived, in, you know, in such a way that was filled with holiness and honor. And then all of a sudden something happened and it just disrupted their lives and derailed their faith and they plunged headlong into sin and abandoned the Lord, it seems. Um, and for us from the outside looking in, it can be difficult to know what's happening within their heart because I don't see the, the turmoil of soul that they may be going through. They, they project that everything looks okay. They project that everything's all right on the outside. They project that everything's good to go with them. And yet internally, they are just torn apart. And maybe, maybe listener, that's you. 
Maybe you're torn apart right now because of the sin that's being harbored in your heart, because you've made excuses for it and you've made room for it. And instead of going to the Lord in in, uh, repentance, you've decided I'm going to make excuse and reason for this. And I just want to encourage you, that's the chastening of God, that turmoil within your heart, that the way that stuff just doesn't work out, the way that that situation just seems to keep failing and keep falling apart, no matter how much you try to put it together. And just like Bobby, you can return to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do so. So come back to Jesus. He'll accept you as his own. He'll, with open arms, receive you back into the family, back into relationship. And you can come back, not as a slave, but as a full-fledged son. And so I just want to encourage you with that thought. So, hey, uh, Bobby, I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll uh, we'll move on with the show. Lord, we want to lift up Bobby to you and just thank you so much for this, uh, this text message. And I pray that you would um, encourage her and that you would uh, bless her and that you would show her the direction you have for her life. Just, she's thinking back to, and Lord, if this is, if this is a man, then I, I apologize, Lord, make up for it cover it with your grace. But uh, as she's describing this desire to know you on that intimate level again, I pray that you would overwhelm her with your grace and overwhelm her with your presence, that she would sense the leading and direction of your Holy Spirit, and that as you guide and direct her life, that she would be established in you. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I got another text message here um, saying my husband and I think it says and I, uh, autocorrect sometimes does crazy stuff, but my husband and I are not very financially stable, but I have a heart to give a tenth for an offering. Whereas he insists we can give more when we have more. He gives uh, the bare minimum. What should I do as a respectful wife and obedient daughter of Christ? Hey, I think that's a really, really great question. Just a pragmatic question in terms of thinking, how do I work through this? What do I do with this? How do I both honor my husband and honor the prompting that I have from the Lord? Well, I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, My wife and I, early on in our relationship, uh, we had gotten ourselves into quite a bit of debt and just foolishly, um, you know, in our marriage, didn't really handle money correctly. And so we were in a position where we desire, just like you're describing, we had this desire to give, but we didn't have the money to do so because we had already obligated it to debt collectors, essentially. We'd already obligated it to whatever the the credit card or the car payment or whatever it was. And so we had these debtors that, that we had promised the money to, and that money, in reality, it belonged to the Lord, and we wanted to give it back to him. It was this genuine desire within us to do that, and yet we couldn't do it. And so what we did was we were able to take the concept of giving to the Lord, which uh, you, you, you cited the idea of giving a tenth to the Lord, which is commonly known in the church as giving a tithe. And that tithe means tenth. Uh, and it comes from the Old Testament uh, um, concept of that, that Abraham gave a tithe of 10% to Melchizedek. And then you also have it in uh, you know, in, in the law as something to give, to give uh, to the Lord this tenth. Um, and, and so that has carried over into the New Testament, but not in terms of the tithe. It's in terms of just generosity, that, that uh, we are to give to the Lord generously. Um, and so uh, I, I think that, you know, your, the heart of your question is to say, I want to give at least 10%. 
And I think that the heart of the New Testament would say, if the law requires a tenth, then I should be willing to give more than that, not less than that. And so I, I hear the heart of the question, but I would also say there's a pragmatic issue, a practical issue surrounding this. And the practical issue is, what if I don't have the money to do it? What do I do about that? And so my wife and I, when we were in that situation, uh, what we decided to do was we were going to give enough to where it hurt, right? Uh, to where we could feel it, to where it wasn't like we were giving Jesus a tip, uh, but we knew we couldn't get to that 10%. And so we gave that, I think it was somewhere around 8%. That's where we started off at. And then our goal was, we're going to pay down our debt as fast as humanly possible. We're going to live below our means. And then when we get to the point to where we're debt-free, we're going to increase our giving uh, to the point to where we're going to give more than 10%. And by God's grace, by his strength, we did exactly that. We, we gave what we could. We gave to where it stung and it hurt. And we, there were other things that we didn't do because we were giving to the Lord. And yet, um, we paid down all that debt. We got to the point to where we were, we were, giving, uh, we were raising our tithe uh, to the Lord above 10% by you know, a, a certain amount uh, year over year. And God has been faithful to allow us to do that. Um, as well as we've been able to set aside money so that way when people come across our path that we want to be generous with, we have it there as well for that, that idea. So I would encourage you, um, you've got to have this conversation with your husband, um, but as you're looking at it in terms of, of what to do, um, there's a, a point at which he has to make the decision for the family. And it, once you've voiced your opinion to him in that, once you've clearly described what you think and, and what, you're, what you value, then it's up to him to make a decision. And if he makes a decision that's not godly, it doesn't honor the Lord, then that's between him and the Lord, and you're no longer uh, responsible for it. Very much like when in Genesis, Abraham went down to Egypt and he lied to the Egyptians and said that Sarah uh, was his sister, not his wife. It was a half-truth. There, there was a, a half-sister thing going on there. Uh, so he goes to, to Egypt and he says that. Um, she was in a position where she couldn't do anything about it. And, and yet God preserved her and God took care of her even at the even though her husband was making uh, decisions at her expense that foolishly put her in bad, bad situations. So cast your care on the Lord. He'll take care of you and uh, voice your opinion uh, to your husband clearly and articulately and respectfully. Hey, we've got a uh, call here on the line. It is Philip from Henderson, uh, Colorado here. Philip, you're on Calvary Live. Hey, Pastor Cody. Hey, do, how are you? Good, good. Um, I, I have a question. I just needed a, uh, my question is, is I recently had a, uh, a death in the family, a, a young, a young person, a young gentleman. And, um, and, um, I'm struggling with a lot of family members that are, that are dealing with, um, you know, uh, where he might've went, um, heaven or hell. And I just, uh, I know, uh, what Christians believe and they're from a different denomination and, um, they believe that he just instantly went to hell. And I just wanted to know what the Bible actually says on that specific topic, if there is something that addresses it specifically. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I think that when you're when we're thinking through it, it's one of those questions that is um, it's it's hard to uh, directly answer because there's not a verse that says, 
you know, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. Or if you don't commit, if you commit suicide, you don't go to hell. So there's not like a, a verse that directly points this out. And so that's where it becomes hard. Uh, because now we've got to take biblical principles and start to apply them uh, to this kind of a question. And, and so as, as we look at this idea, um, the Bible actually, there are six people mentioned in the Bible who committed suicide. Um, and, uh, you know, it's in Judges, in Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and also in Matthew. And, and none of those people who did so were righteous. You know, they were all, they were all those people who um, would have been in the position of apart from saving faith. Um, and so you, you look at that reality, and that's where a lot of people start to deduce, well, look, all the people in the Bible who committed suicide weren't righteous and didn't have saving faith. Therefore, anybody who commits suicide doesn't have saving faith. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's a very uh, wise way to handle the scriptures. I- essentially, suicide is self-murder. Uh, if we were to really put it in, in terms that people can grasp and, and really define it, it's self-murder. And when you look at that idea, suicide is therefore a sin, right? We can, we can agree on that. That's, that's where everyone sort of agrees right. on. But, but let me ask you this question. Let's say you are, um, you're going to change some, some shingles on your house and you go up on the roof of your house and you are up there and you are, you know, hammering away and then you hit your thumb and uh, an, an expletive comes out of your mouth. You scream out this, this curse word, right? Which is also a sin. And you fall off the roof and you die. Do you go to hell? Um, I don't believe so. No, right? The, the, the truth is that you are saved by, your, by the grace of Jesus, not by the sin that you commit or don't commit. It's not the works that you do that get you saved. The works that you do prove that you are saved, essentially. Um, and so, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about this, that any sin, even if the last act of your entire life was sinful, that doesn't disqualify you from salvation. So the issue isn't whether or not suicide was committed. The issue is, um, did he ever profess faith in Jesus? Did he ever have an opportunity to give his life into the hands of Jesus? That's the real issue. Um, and, and so, uh, being able to identify that reality is where we would, we would establish the the question. So it's not stated anywhere that that's the unforgivable sin. No, nowhere in scripture at all. Does it ever say that's that suicide is the unforgivable sin? In fact, first Peter one nineteen says that all of our sins are paid for by Jesus. Uh, and so that we can't put it in a different category. Like there's no other sins in a, a special category that somehow you're not going to be forgiven for this. So uh, so the the only unforgivable sin would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the rejection of Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Amen. That would be would that would be the only unforgivable sin that, that, that would I, I couldn't say it any better. To hell. Yep. That's exactly okay. right. And so that but it's hard, right? Cuz we're dealing with this. And so that's why when, when suicide takes place, when somebody does take their own life, it becomes hard because the fruit of, of salvation is shown in what you do, right? And, and so that's where people right. struggle is, well, if he committed suicide, then isn't that a faithless act? Well, well, yeah, but I sin all the time. You know, it's like there's not a day that goes by that I don't end up in sin. And so does that mean that I've lost my salvation at that moment? Of course not. God is God's sustaining power and his hand is much larger than something so silly as that, right? 
absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I thank you very much. Um, that brought a lot of clarity to awesome. uh, a lot of things. Very good. Do you mind if I pray for you, Philip? No, absolutely. Um, Father, thank you for Philip and, and uh, just taking the time to make a phone call today. I pray that you would encourage him. I pray that you would equip him and strengthen him as he tries to figure out how to answer people's questions and he tries to figure out how to, to combat these thoughts that people have. A lot of them are rooted in a good heart and a, a desire to really uh, pour over your script, your word and be faithful to you. Um, but they're also uh, driven by uh, the wrong ideas. And, and so I just pray that you give Philip wisdom to know how to impart your word and impart your wisdom to others. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. Thanks well, for calling thank today. Absolutely. Thanks, Pastor. All right, see ya. Hey, just a thought on that. Uh, if you're listening in, I just want to encourage you that perhaps you are struggling with the ideas of suicide. And maybe you are struggling with um, taking your own life. And I want to I want to say to you right now: Do not do it. Don't do it. It is not worth it. You're you're not going to solve the problem. You're not going to alleviate the pain. Here's what happens: when you when you commit suicide, you don't alleviate the pain. You shift it to other people. That's all you do. Someone else is going to have to bear the burden of your of your pain in that. And so so don't do it. You you are valuable. You are, your life is worth living. And I know that things might seem dark right now. They might seem terrible right now, but your life is worth saving. Jesus proved it when he put himself on that cross. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own will. And he did that with you in mind, with your life in mind, all the scars, all the failures, all the darkness, all the difficulty, all the problem. He knew about it. And he went to the cross for you to prove how much he loves you. Your life is worth it. Don't do it. And if you need to call somebody, then call us here on the, at the radio. Uh, call, call in uh, to here at uh, Calvary Church. Uh, we'd love to connect you with people who can uh, be able to pray for you and to be able to give you some, some biblical discipleship. Uh, reach out to, to your church if you have a church. Let people know that you're thinking about these things and that this stuff is in your head because it, the the worst thing that you can do is remain silent. There, there's no shame in asking for help. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to do that, uh, to reach out and call. Call the police if you need to. Uh, or if you know somebody, if you know somebody who's struggling with, uh, the, with suicide and they've told you that they're going to commit suicide and it's a credible thing and you believe them, you need to call the police. Call, get a hold of uh, the police. You can always call 911 and get a hold of that in order to, to help them and to serve them in that way. So make sure that you do that. Hey, I got another text question here. Um, it is uh, asking for prayer for uh, their coworkers. Um, that uh, they want they want prayer for them to hear the Holy One Spirit Beloved more clearly, uh, more clearly too, and then pray for my family. I think uh, Zeke is is who sent this in. All right, Zeke, I, I'm going to be able. I'm going to pray for you and and uh, pray for your coworkers here for them to uh, to hear the voice of the Lord. God, we want to lift up to you, uh, Zeke, and uh, his family and his coworkers. 
And I pray that you would uh, give Zeke wisdom to know how to bring your gospel into situations where he has the opportunity to, whether it's at work and uh, just to be able to talk about you or, or to be able to share his testimony of your goodness in his life, to be able to, to even say verses of scripture without maybe not even saying Genesis chapter such and such, but to be able to say what your word says and to be able to do it with uh, a certain sense of power and clarity that only comes from you and your Holy Spirit. I pray as well that in his family, that you would move in his family, that they would hear your the call of your spirit, and that he would be faithful to present your gospel. Lord, we are, um, we're, we are called as ambassadors of you, and in being ambassadors of Christ, we need to deliver your message. And so I pray that you would give Zeke uh, courage and faith to deliver your message well, and that he would leave the results up to you, that Holy Spirit, you would bring salvation and he would get to re- rejoice over it. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I got another text message here. Uh, it says, uh, it's asking the question, should a Christian file bankruptcy? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's a really, really good question. I am no financial genius, okay? I'll say that. Um, I, I've already confessed some of my financial sins over the radio waves today to you. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to necessarily say that that, that is a, uh, uh, something that I can speak to directly or, or clearly on. There's not necessarily a verse that talks about that idea. Um, but here's what I would say about it, um, that there's a difference between filing bankruptcy uh, because you have um, you you just want to get out of it and you don't want to do the work of digging yourself out of the hole and filing bankruptcy because you literally can't do anything about it. And only you know the difference between that. Uh, and so I'm assuming that you're asking this question because maybe you're in a situation like that. And so what I would advise you to do is maybe get some advice from a financial uh, advisor. Uh, maybe talk to somebody about it and, uh, you know, talk to somebody who's not shady, uh, someone who's going to give you good advice. So, hey, I just, uh, this is Cody King. I'm uh, here in studio with you. It was great to be able to hang out with you here on Calvary Live. It's been an honor and a privilege to serve you today. Uh, check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org. I'd love to see you on Sunday at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.